Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast video edition. We are glad you're here today. We are rediscovering the ancient way. You can always find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com or you can go to YouTube, which is probably where you are right now. Subscribe to our channel. Not a whole lot of action here as far as as much as on the podcast website at pathdesign.com, but there are some more videos like this one uh, being posted with regularity. We've got a couple series that we just did maybe 10 days ago. Um, go check those out if you have not seen them yet before. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining us. Basically, this is a, in the universe of, man, how far out do we go? In the universe of Christianity, let's kind of take it down a little bit. We won't go to the whole span of the globe, if the earth is a globe. Um, <laughs> we're not touching that today. In Christianity, there are sects, beliefs, doctrine, denominations, division, division. We talk about it all the time here on the program, how how the entire earth and even the church herself is deceived and drawn into the lure of what? Of, of being divided. We talk about that a lot here. And it just is, it's the way of humanity. I understand. I mean, we're talking millions of human beings with differing vantage points, understanding viewpoints, vantage points, and belief systems. And so how in the world do we all survive together and not just survive if we're true biblical believers? What do we do with the challenge of being unified? There's a lot of discussion right now in the political chaos of this hour about how in the world do we who are in the United States of America be unified. This politician has an idea. We must be unified. We must have a unified endeavor. Another politician will say kind of their version of the same thing, yet just drive home division. But let's just step back, reel back a little bit, and realize that in the kingdoms of men, men will be divided. There will be division. Now, division is good. Division is biblical. Division in the proper understanding and context of the people of God is good, right, necessary in the fact that the, the, the right biblical definition of holy is a divided people in the sense of divided off from the whole, divided off from the majority. It is a distinct consecrated, set-apart people. Even Holy Spirit, when we properly understand the Holy Spirit, uh, a set-apart spirit, a distinguisher, a distinct, set-apart, holy people. Now, that in itself, is, as I'm trying to bring this in, even within the, the set-apart people, the ecclesia, body of Messiah, the people of God right now in 2020, divided. 
And I would say what I want to insert today into your thinking and ask some questions of yourself personally, forget about your neighbor, forget about your church, forget about your congregation, your small group, your men's Bible study, your, your prayer breakfast gathering. Forget about the whatever party you, you fall into politically speaking, whatever your nationality, whatever your race, your ethnicity, all these things when you start considering other people. I want to say this, and man, I, want, I say this in a million different ways on this program. I want to challenge you to do one thing. First, as a basic starting point, a basis, if you will, a foundational understanding, start with you. Start with you. Start with you. Please, Christian America, start with yourself. Stop worrying about all of the evil, vile people who hate you and hate God and hate this and hate that. Start with you. Start with you. Church, start with judging your own house. It is time for the church to self-examine. Self-examine, church, please. We're going to talk about some things this morning, this afternoon, this evening, middle of the night, whenever you watch this. It's morning here right now. And I'm just... I'm thinking on some different instructions. Um, we were reading this morning in 1 John chapter 2 here in our house. And again, if you follow our whiteboard teaching, um, we took this verse this morning and we talked about dissecting words. What is this saying in a broader context? What is this asking of us? What is this instructing us? Who in the world are these instructions even to? And here's the crux of what I want to talk about for the most part. Is it us? Is it we ourselves, the church? Are we even the criteria of this instruction? I think it would do us constant good Christian church to stop and first assess, is this in fact speaking to me? Have I met the criteria of what this command, instruction, counsel, admonition, correction? Am I even the, am I the recipient of the author's intent? Does that make sense? Am I sure first and foremost when I read something that this is, whether it's a letter from Shaul Paul or whether it's Yeshua talking to his disciples or or any number of things we could say biblically speaking, first and foremost, am I sure that when it says X, it's actually talking to me? Am I, whether it's a promise, a covenantal reality between Yahweh God and man, um, to people in Messiah, depending on where we are in the timeline of the Bible, we have to first stop and say, first and foremost, Am I sure that this promise, this command, this covenantal reality, this instruction, this counsel, is it speaking to me? It would do us good to realize that first, to just stop instead of this blind presumption that gets, oh, well, yeah, of course it's talking to me. I'm a Christian. I go to church, or at least I went to church before the coronavirus locked many doors. I sit in a car in a parking lot at a church. I do a live stream now 
most Sundays? No, we're not talking about that elementary criteria. We're talking about a lot of things that get quite specific. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 2. We're only going to read three or four verses, probably three. And, and this text starts out with what we're talking about, a little bit of criteria. It says, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Okay, pause. Do you, do I, have I, have you known him that is from the beginning? Because this writing is to someone specific to those who have known him from that is from the beginning. Do you know God? Do I know him? Am I intimately acquainted with him? Is he in fact my father? Is he my father? We know about the, the Bible talking about even Yeshua telling some of his followers, we, we know how this went. Man, your father's the devil. And he's what? He's the father of all lies. All lies are conceived in the father of lies, right? Who is our father? Have we known him that is from the beginning? We have to stop and ask ourselves that. So many Christians that I've known most of my life when we were on staff at church, I saw it clearer than I had ever seen it. People are so shakable in their identity. They're always worried about backsliding and falling away. And they're so captivated by like, do I really know God? But not in a good, healthy, right way, which is what I'm saying and promoting. Do we know that we know that we know that we know that God is actually for sure our father? Well, how do you know? You're in the, you're in the firstborn of many brethren offspring. We don't have time to get into all that, but like, not just did you ask Jesus into your heart, as I say every single time that comes out of my mouth, the ask Jesus into your heart doctrine is not biblical. It is not biblical, friend, and if that's what your entire life is based upon, you must ask questions. Because, as I always have to say, because if not, I'm irresponsible, the Ezekiel heart exchange reality is a New Testament truth, okay? Like, there's no separation. Like, I've heard it said that, man, I got saved through the Old Testament, <laughs> through the Ezekiel heart exchange understanding. Well, that's not really that revelational. That is a depiction of what Yeshua perfectly accomplished to take place. I mean... It's not really that odd, and it's surely not separable. It is the same. The continuity is the same. That Yahweh God the Father has always made a way for people to come to him and know him and to be his children, his offspring, his chosen nation, royal priesthood. And so when we have the understanding of, to, to, to be clear, and then we'll move back to what we're talking about today, your heart of flesh the heart of flesh given from the Father that's his possession can only come when you surrender your life, your will, your way, your heart, your innermost cardia place, what? To be extracted. Because why? It's made of stone. It's a heart of stone that cannot respond to the Father, his love, his attention, his instruction, his counsel, even his covenantal promises. 
can't be housed in there. He himself cannot indwell a man in a heart of stone. Therefore, that must be extracted in the heart of flesh put in in its place. Regeneration. Okay? So this is saying from the very beginning, this is written to those who have known that he that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Okay, so just, we got to move. But the word of God abides in these people. They have overcome the wicked one. They have known he that is from the beginning. They're, they're fathers, so they're older, and they're young men as well. Again, the recipients of this First John chapter 2 text. So now we move on to an, an instruction some, it's not mere advice, but telling them, the listener, love not the world. Don't love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay? So, so we have to unpack this. What we're going to do is basically examine several different words within these latter two verses of 15 and 16 of 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world, so don't love it in its entirety. Don't love the whole thing. And also, neither love the things that are within it. The, the patterns of the world. We see that all throughout the New Testament scriptures. The patterns of the world. We see it in the Old Testament in the form of idolatry, constant mixing, constant wavering back and forth, left, right, vacillating, a little bit of God, a little bit of the world. A little bit of God, a little bit of the world. And the mixing of the patterns of the world infiltrating God's people. It's all throughout the Bible from beginning to end. It goes on in verse 16. For all that is in the world, okay, he, he could have stopped there and, and left the people and then us today wondering, well, what's in the world? Well, here's some clarity. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay? So, so let's start dissecting some of these things. Lust, and we have to understand these things from a biblical understanding. When you do a word study, whether it's through the Septuagint or just simply a Strong's Concordance, when you look at Hebrew and Greek, and, and I say this because a lot of people just don't know that, and I like to explain that that normal people like you and me who aren't, you know, seminary trained pastors, we can study God's word because it's living and active. And like, man, all you got to do is study to show yourself approved. And in mere minutes, if you are moved by the spirit of God and filled with the Holy Spirit, then guess what? This stuff comes alive and builds and builds and builds, never ending. Okay. Studying the Word of God for a regenerated Christ man should not be hard. It should not be hard. It should not be impossible or just kind of, oh, man, I, I get nothing out of the Bible. Well, that's a problem. It's okay, but you don't stay there. We have to move on. Lusts are longing for forbidden things. Natural, carnal cravings. So we'll just paint a broad stroke of lust because we see lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. They are forbidden things. A longing for something that is natural and carnal. Okay, so 
what is the world? Again, in the biblical understanding, because there's a difference between the world and the earth. That's a biblical um, understanding you have to study out to even know the division of the two. The earth, terra firma, the, the planet is different than the world. There are patterns within the natural earth. They are worldly, carnal, natural, craving-driven patterns, okay? We've come out of them, hopefully, but we have to admit we've only come out of them in measure. We are, for the rest of our lives, in the sanctification process that we are now within, we move out further and further away from the patterns in the world, um, the world and the patterns therein. We have to consistently regularly assess our lives and see and then with complete honesty admit man the patterns of the world still in here still governing me in measure okay so the lust or the longing for forbidden things natural carnal cravings the world is simply in greek it's cosmos the world world affairs all things that could be considered earthly it's very simple this is basic teaching the cosmos, which is all of the affairs of the world, earthly things, natural, temporal, passing away, events, occurrences, things. Okay, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, fleeting, frail. These things, the worldly affairs, the, the cosmos activities, the lusts of the cosmos, stir natural desires they seduce they are obstacles to the cause of christ okay they oppose it's a kingdom opposition and so we have to be aware we have to be discerning we have to know which kingdom we are living according to at all times at all times we have to get some sort of a filter when something comes to our attention we have to think about it. We have to look at it, which is what we're going to talk about next. We have to submit it to the Spirit to say, hey, which is this? Is this catering to my natural flesh? Is this filtered through what I will get out of it? How it will profit me? How it will cause me to be more comfortable, get more relief, more blessing, more favor? Or am I free of all these personal advantage thoughts and I just step back and I say, God, I know what this looks like on the outside, but what is it really? What is it really? And help me to discern the cosmos lusts, the natural cravings that are earthly world affairs, just worldly affairs. The lust of the flesh. Okay, because we're told, for all that is in the world, including the lust of the flesh, number one, what is that? It's very, this stuff is so simple, I know, but it, we have to hear these things, especially in this hour where people are so distracted and discernment seems to be turned down to, to a negative proportion. The lust of the flesh is carnally driven desires and longings, always bent towards temporal kingdoms and temporal treasures. Okay, so right now I'm just going to say there are many Christians terrified if Joe Biden becomes president, I don't want to get into that specifically. I'm not sure he's going to. This isn't a conspiracy uh, theory channel. But man, if, if anyone asks me, I think there is a 
there is a, I, I have said this clearly um, in many different ways on the program. There are people in, in offices that you and I will never go into that orchestrate this nation, people. It is not you. It is not you, your vote, your opinion, your position, your posture, how many times you pick it on the side of the road, how many times you post a patriotic video, how many times you say this, say that. These things are beyond us. There is a pattern of darkness over the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdoms of men, the governments of men are ruled and reigned by men. When Yeshua Messiah came and everybody wanted him to be a natural king of a natural kingdom, why? Let's just be honest. Why did they want that? Why do we have a, a religious system now in place that says, you know what? We say what goes, okay? The, the, the 7th century church, the tearing down of the second temple, all these things. Why did all these things happen? Look, we are telling you what governmental authority you will even worship God according to. You will do it our way according to our will because guess what? We know best. We know what's best for you. You just do what you're told. Okay, we see it in the religious system, we see it in the functions of the church, and we see it in the governments and kingdoms of men, including this United States of America. There is an agenda, friend, that I'm sorry this hurts your feelings, but it is beyond you. It is beyond you, okay? There are principalities and powers seated upon the nations, governing authorities, rulers, in unseen places, moving men about to accomplish their will and their way. Now, do we sit back and say, yeah, well, that's true, so that's why I just don't care. I'm not saying that. I have to always clarify that because people then want to throw at me, well, you're just a passive wussy guy, Joel, who has no opinion, no say, no spiritual authority. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't even get me started now. If you want to talk about spiritual authority and ruling and reigning in high places and, and tearing down strongholds, hey, let's talk about that. I've got hours of opinion towards that, but I'm saying this, that function, that function now, if you want to have that discussion, which I wish people would, is not about earthly, natural, temporal kingdoms. It is about a governing authority. We talked about this two years ago on this program, talking about what? What is man? The, the scriptural understanding of what is man? Man, he is set here to execute and, and bring to pass the governmental authority of Yahweh God in the confines of worldly, natural, temporal kingdoms. They are separate. They are separate. They are separate. Yahweh God does not want to sit upon the United States of America. Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, he does not want to be president of this puny little young nation, okay? He is highly enthroned above every single kingdom that was, is, and ever will be, okay? He does not need brought down so low to <coughs> excuse me, sit enthroned upon this tiny little nation anymore now than he wanted to when he came the first time in the flesh. He said, no, no, no. No, I'm not going to be this natural king that brings you all this blessing and favor and allows you to come into my palace and ride my coattails. 
Man, I rule and reign the highest heaven, okay? This isn't going to look the way you want. Christian America needs to realize that in the here and now and, and discern the difference. So the lust of the flesh is carnally driven desires and longings for temporal kingdoms and temporal treasures. Friend, many of these people, many believers that I talk to and that I hear and that I see online, I'm telling you, if, if they were honest, if they were honest, this is what drives the present climate of Christian American patriotic Republican Party advantage. We have to win because if we don't win, all of these things will be taken away from us. Our right to bear arms, our right to this, our right, our right, our right. We have pledged allegiance to this nation for 200 years. We pledge allegiance, we pledge allegiance. Man, if these things are taken away, we will no longer get temporal kingdoms and treasures. Panic ensues. Let's be honest, church. Examine yourself. You alone, maybe, in measure, know your own heart. But even that could be very deceitful. The lust of the eyes. It is in the world. Enticed by what one sees according to his natural man vision and faculty of assessment and knowing. Capable of being deceived. And so what is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Again, this stuff is very simple in understanding, but we have got to talk about it in this hour. It is a natural source of information. In other words, if you're not functioning as a mature spiritual man, walking according to the spirit with your, with your discernment, always aware and alert, you, my friends, and myself, we will be deceived. We will be led astray by the lust of our own eyes because we, we hear, as okay, you understand what I'm saying? That's not a mistake. We hear by what we see, what we watch, what we read. Oh man, oh man, this is the truth. Oh man, they, they've, they've uncovered this secret. Oh man, deception, fraud. Oh yeah, I see it. I see it in so many Christians right now and and prophets, man, don't even get me started on all the prophecies of this hour, this absolute foolishness, about what? Temporal kingdoms and temporal treasures according to what their eyes see. Natural sources of information. Pride of life, we're going to have to bring this to a close. How far are we? Okay, the pride of life. This one's a huge one. We're going to bring it to a close. An insolent and empty assurance. Friends, please listen to this with an open heart and open mind and a consideration and willingness to say, you know what? God, is this in me? Is this in me? We're going to read the verse again, then I'll read this part. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not from the Father. It's of the world. It's sourced within the world. This pride of life is an insolent and empty assurance. Do you hear what I'm saying? An empty assurance. Politicians, preachers, pastors, evangelists, and so-called prophets are trying to give you empty assurance. If this man wins office, you will be fine. If this man wins office, the whole world will fall to pieces in mere months. You have to have this man because if you have this man, you will not have assurance. 
And I'm telling you, I could spend literally till, till I run out of power. Until the end of the age, I could talk about how I see clearly that the Christian majority church is falling prey to this word of warm, pleasant, desirable, enticing thoughts that are what? Rooted in the pride of life. Empty assurance. We've got to fight. We've got to make our voice known. We've got to pick it. We've got to log on to this website and enter our plea. We've got to change this, change that, unearth this, reveal this lie. Why? So that we can have assurance. So that we can be sure that my pantry is going to be full. That my 401k is going to remain until my retirement. That I will have assurance I'm going to be okay. I have to have it because why? Let's just say it. This is what we talked about in the last series. Kingdom assurance. What kingdom do we live in? Kingdom loyalties. Allegiances. Okay? These things matter. What comes out of your mouth is in your heart and it matters. Where is our allegiance? Who are we living? What kingdom are we living according to? I would say this is a season, an opportunity for us to find out for real which kingdom we're living according to because I'm seeing a whole lot of offering of empty assurance, the pride of life. Going on to define this pride of life, this trust in its own power, one's own resources, and shamefully despises divine laws. This one's a tough one. And I'll focus on the middle part. This pride of life, this empty assurance that I see all throughout the church right now, it's permeating mainstream church. Millions and millions of people are trusting in their own power and resources. We have got to take control of this American government. And let's just be honest, because we're afraid if we don't, God will probably not take care of it for us. We have to do something. We've got to do something. And to be clear, I'm always saying this. Yes, do something. Fast. Pray. Cry out to God in unseen places. Shake the unseen kingdoms that rule and reign and govern this land, friend. It's more than just voting. It's more than natural endeavors. It's more than natural attempts to undo the evils of this age. Friends, This is prophesied fact. This nation will go down to her knees. Every kingdom of men will be shaken to the core and be broken down. And if not, we will continue to be great forever and we will never need God the Father to be our absolute source, strength, and every single thing that we need is found within him. Which gets us to this. The love of the Father will not be in us if we are loving the world and her ways and her patterns and her empty world affairs. Pride of life goes on to be an impious, empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things and kingdoms. Do you hear this? This is the Bible, okay? This is what this was saying in 1 John chapter 2. The pride of life, which is of the world and not of the Father, is an empty presumption that trusts in the stability of earthly things and earthly kingdoms. 
and it is always associated with empty braggart talk. Friends, do you hear what this is saying? This is not opinion piece. This is not an editorial trying to give you my vantage point, my opinion. This is saying this pride of life is always associated with braggart talk. Please make sure that's not you. Boast in the Lord. Boast in him. Stop boasting in men. Stop boasting in kingdoms of men that are all passing away world affairs, earthly, natural, temporal. We must make absolute sure that we are not loving these worldly distractions and lusts. I mean loving it. There are so many Christians right now, seemingly every waking moment, pursuing the political banter of the hour. We must know the truth. I mean people posting every hour on Facebook. When I get on here to post these videos and update the podcast and stuff, there are people awake at 3 in the morning posting videos to truth. And the newest dream from the prophet, who wasn't true about his last prophecy, but no one seems to care. Any any one of us, myself included, can be led astray, deceived. And here's the thing, man. Deceived people don't know they're deceived. Deceived, now you'll tell other people that. I don't have a problem with admitting I can be deceived and that there's deceitfulness in me. I don't have a problem admitting that. I know that's true. But many people are deceived right now in the body of Messiah and they have no idea. They don't even know it. Elect men, man. Elect people who know the Father but have one foot in the natural temporal longings of these kingdoms of men and trying to straddle the line of also walking fully, which of course you can't, in the kingdom of God unshakable. There's assurance in numbers. Be careful who you are around. Be careful of what sources you gather information from. Be careful of what you entertain in your mind. Be careful of the lust of your eyes, what you look upon. Because every time you look upon something, it's like an ingestion. You are eating it. You're eating it. You're drawing it into yourself. And it will literally become part of who you are, just like a plate of food going into your mouth. It literally is ingested into your body and becomes part of you. The good remains, the bad is is removed, same thing. Be careful what you are ingesting through your eyes. If you feel your natural man being stirred to insolence, anger, bragging, oh friend, be careful. Be careful, Christian America. Be men of discernment. Because you may very well be one who cannot possess the love of the Father. Because this says the love of the Father is not in you or in me if I am in love with the world, the patterns and kingdoms therein. It cannot be both, man. Yahweh God hates the mixing. And many people that I know know that truth, understand the concept of idolatry, yet are eyeball deep in the politics and and mess of natural kingdoms. Friend, I'm telling you today, as sure as I'm sitting here, come out. Come out. Come out, church. Come out from among them and be separate. Please. This is me toned down. Seriously. This is me calm towards this matter. Because I see the church 
being drawn away. She's being drawn out to a sea of temporal, natural kingdoms of men. I don't want it. I know it's going to happen. Friend, don't let it be you. Don't let it be you today. Read 1 John chapter 2. Meet the criteria first and foremost back where we started and then dissect these verses for yourself. See if what I'm saying is even true. If what I'm saying you hear in your ear, you say, no, he's twisting that to fit his own agenda, his own vantage point. Then study it. Study it then. It's okay. Study it and see what God's word says to you. You're listening to the Path to Zion podcast. If you're on YouTube right now, you're watching it as well. Thank you for tuning in. Wherever you are, we have listeners all over the world right now. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your kingdom of men struggle to discern what is and what is not pleased by and sourced in the Father, God bless you in your endeavor to unearth these things. The church needs to walk in humility. She needs to admit that she is worldly, carnal, natural, temporal, and move on, move up, mature, change, and grow. Like us on here. Subscribe, man. I'm telling you, share this, please, if you feel like this is a message that is true for the church of this hour. If you think the church needs to hear this, please, friend, I need help. I need help. I'm sitting here in my house by myself right now with just this minimal little setup to try to get anything out to the world to any one person that would listen. Full of flaws, error, mistakes. It's all here. But if the Lord is speaking in the midst of this flesh, in this, this body of clay, this vessel of clay that's flawed, then please share it, friend. Do your own version, man. I'm, I'm finding so many people that are starting to consider standing up like this and saying, I don't feel that way either. I don't agree with majority Christian patriotic thinking either, but I'm afraid. I don't know how to say anything. We're hearing from people in, in tiny, tiny measure, but anything at all is good. People saying, you know what? I think the church is arrogant. I think leaders are swaying the body to move according to emotion. I think we're living for temporal kingdom treasures. It's okay to say it in a, in a heart of what? Restoring truth to the church. So friends, be blessed today. Thank you for listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We are trying our best to rediscover the ancient way. Amen.